0: You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit CAC.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackie Lewis, and this is Love Period, a podcast about how we're going to love ourselves, love our posse, and love the world fiercely on the way to making our lives and the world better. Today, my guest is Anjanou Ellis. I don't know if there's a movie you've Scene that you love that she isn't in. Her credits are prolific. More important than that, she is an activist who helps to get that Mississippi flag down. Y'all, you're going to be so surprised at her personality and her commitment to justice as she mentors us about how to love the world better. Ingenue Ellis. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hey. Thank you for coming
1: to talk <laughs> to me. Now I have a, the giggles. The whole thing. It's Sorry.
0: good. It's good. We need to laugh. <laughs> it's good to hear your voice, love. Are you in Mississippi? Where are you in the world? Are you Are you at home? Yeah. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I know you've been traveling a lot. I I have been
1: I've been away for a while, a long while. But before before we. Go any further. I do need to ask how you are. I know you have suffered a, a huge trauma, and I know it was traumatic for me. You know what happened with the church. So I just want to know how you are doing, and how you are coping, and how the congregation is coping. And
0: yeah, it's you know it's been a hot mess. It's it's been really tough. It's kind of shocking, you know, when you see the site, you think, oh yes there was a church there and now there's a facade there was a building to the north of us and now that's a demolished lot the center of the church onjeune you know the, the the sanctuary is scooped out but there's a lot of rubble and ash the social hall that room back there before you come in the church with the dome is gone and they've built a wall between the sanctuary and the this church house to keep it, you know, dry as they can. So that's been hard. I'm not kidding. It's been really hard. And some days I think it feels like we're in a, like one of those disaster movies and some big animal like took a bite out of the church. Right. 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 But to be also seriously honest, every day I'm in 99 meetings about the fire, but every day people write call, text, follow us, and say, your church means so much to us. I got married there. I came to the concert. I came to the training. I did a 12-step meeting. My kids used to go to the, you know, after school. My mom and dad used to live around the corner. I'm thinking about the things I'm finding in the fire, that people just love us so much. They love us so much. It's just amazing. Grace, like love, love, love communicated with such consistency and celebration and kindness, generosity. It's been amazing to feel that kind of love from people who you didn't know knew you existed, Anjane. Mm, mm. Right. So there's Mm. something good about Mm. that too. Mm. So nice. Yeah. Well, I'm happy. I'm so
1: happy. I'm so happy to hear that. And I I would hope that you would, you know, feel that way. Because it certainly reflects, you know, my feeling about, you know, about middle and how it became you know, because I sort of, you know, going, finding a church in New York was very, very hard. It was, mm-hmm. it was not, I was not successful. At, at a, you know, I would, I would go to first Corinthians in Harlem and I love that experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, up until that point, as many churches as there were in Harlem, you know, I probably went to like, you know, a good 40% of them and I never mm-hmm. found really you know, a place where I felt comfortable, and then Genesis invited me to come to Middle. You know, a yeah. couple years, couple years ago, when I was there working, and it was just a such an inviting place. You know, yeah, just an inviting place. So I'm glad to know that you feel that.
0: I really do, sweetie, and I feel like just what you said, that people find us and then they keep us. Like they they find us and they keep us. Your work takes you away and you know we're still your people, you know. And people have a woman from New Zealand named Janice, you know, came to church when she was here working in New York and then she moved back to New Zealand. And she's, you know, connecting to us and sending a donation our way and just, Beijing, China covered the fire. What? Why? <laughs> so tell me a little more, Love. Like, you know, I'm thinking some Tina Turner song right now. Like, what's love got to do with it? Can you talk a little bit about how you experience love at Middle Church? Well, I
1: think coming from the experience that I came from, I came from a traditional Baptist church, you know, worship experience. Mm-hmm. And all of that, everything that came with it, you know, the attended culture of that, which quite frankly was an extension of what we learned in Bible school and what we learned in Sunday school. In terms of how it affected me, my essential self was called into question every time I would go to church. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say it.
0: Yep, yep.
1: Before I found middle, you know, I had worked on that had been in process of working on that for a long time. So I was, I was in a good place, but when I came to middle, you Mm -hmm. saw all of all of that stuff that I, that I knew was possible Mm -hmm. in a worship experience Mm -hmm. was actually in front of my face, Mm -hmm. was active, was a practice. That was my first experience with that where being queer and, Women being in positions of power, and you know, and not being patronized and condescended, you condescended yeah. to, and mm-hmm. sidelined and marginalized, and all that stuff that you know drove me drove me crazy. As much as I, 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 it made me. It also, it made me. <laughs> you know, it made me right. and unmade me. Yes, yes. So you know, middle was in many ways. The stuff of my imagination that was really realized, I really appreciated it for that. And then the other part of that is, I come from a background where my family was very, you know, very politically active.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But for some reason, and I don't know why this happened, but for some reason, after I would say I, I don't know, I I would sort of say before my after my grandfather past or whatever. I'm just trying to find a point of transition. Mm -hmm. There was a, there was a very sort of, you know, hard pivot from that kind of political engagement and the church experience, which was so much a part of the sixties, sixties and early seventies in Mississippi and in, in the South. That's what it was. It was a place for that, the home for that. And Suddenly, all of that just disappeared. It just disappeared. And then, you know, I was looking for that. Mm -hmm. That had become hard to find, extremely hard to find, no matter where I went went to church at, in you know, Jeremiah Wright's church. And um mm-hmm. and it was, but I was only there a couple of times. So it all, everywhere that I worked in, across the country, around the world, I mm-hmm. was looking for that. I was looking for a place that I did not have to pretend that what was happening in the world did not affect
0: mm-hmm.
1: our spiritual lives,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know? Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt that there was developing paradigm a developing practice where there was the there was the political your political life and your spiritual life and never the twain shall meet Mm. and so Mm -hmm. middle was a place where there was a convergence of that and it was a sort of like a holistic approach to the life of of a person in this world that cannot separate those two because you know one feeds the other one affects the other and so as a minister was what you did you spoke to all of that
0: hmm.
1: and I just appreciated it so much it was so affirming you know
0: hmm. yeah sweetie that's a good I love the way you said that before I say more remember when we were outside in DC in the big crowd and we saw each other do you remember that that was crazy. Like, how is it possible? Like, of all of those sea of women, was that for Kavanaugh, right? And there you were. Yes. And then we got to march yes. the rest of the way. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is. It is interesting. I was That's so beautiful. Crazy. Yeah. And then we did the thing and down in the in the village together. It's interesting to me, love, that church should help us. Like the word religion. You know, really, in its root, is like to bind, like to relegate, to rebind, to bind things together. I feel like religion, in its purest sense, should bind us—you know—to love ourselves, to love the world, and to love the holy, however we imagine it, right? However we imagine. But instead, it feels like a lot of time religion wants to make sure you don't love you. Like there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so, come in here. And we'll try to get you to the place where you can love you, but you as you are is not good enough. And and we're in the business of sort of proving to you that you're not good enough, that you're a worm. You know, by my Protestant upbringing, you're a worm. You're not worthy. Humankind fell down. You know, Eve did it. You know, and and the rest of our your life is about trying to find the way to feel good enough to love yourself. So Anjinu, has did the church I I watch you in the world and I think this sister really loves herself. I, I watch you working and I feel like you radiate this confidence, right? Do you ever not love yourself? Do you ever love yourself? Am I right about the church having a role in the how we feel about ourselves or religion having a role? Talk to me. Just tell me what you think about that. How do we get to love ourselves? And what's God got to do with that?
1: Right. Well, you know, it goes back to this idea that I, you know, I spoke to earlier about church making and unmaking me. And me having to fight that unmaking and, and, and make myself whole again. All of that stuff that I learned that was wrong with me when i was you know growing up the, those things one number one being a woman that mm-hmm. was what was wrong with me yeah that's what <laughs> mm-hmm. and then a, being a queer woman you know and having no there was there was no support in that you know what, you yeah, know what yes, i mean yes, like yes, there's exactly. no there's no support in that in, in no, nowhere and you know that you know you got you from mississippi as well yeah, so yeah. you there there's no sort of template for being a queer woman in the south who who also engages in you know the church in a in a in a full whole way and not feel like there's something perverted about you
0: you know what i mean
1: and and this whole idea of of hate the sin but love you know love the sinner you know what i mean like yes i do and 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 you know, and, and God will love you anyway. And God, you know, all of that stuff. And that is, that is, you're at war with that. And particularly someone like me who was in church four or five times a week at minimum every day of my life from the time I was three years old until I was 18 and I left to go to college. Wow. So that is some, that is some, intense unlearning that you yes. that you have to do and mm-hmm. and and then you have to get to a place where you feel like I have to unlearn that you know you go for a long time you have to leave Mississippi <laughs> I don't know how else to say it no but that's I, 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 had to, yeah. I had to leave Mississippi I had you know I had to see other I had to see other lives lived mm-hmm. that weren't condemned to hell You know, or didn't live and didn't live it, I should say, didn't live in that condemnation because I lived in that condemnation. I lived in that, in a place of when I, I don't know what grade I was in or about to go in what grade. And I spent the whole summer trying to trying to convince myself or trying to trying to teach myself to be attracted to boys Like the whole summer, the whole summer I spent doing that on my own because of course I couldn't tell anybody in my household that I, you know, that i liked girls. Like, you know, I couldn't, there was no one, no one to talk to nobody, nobody. So I spent the entire summer trying to convince myself that I was attracted to boys and that I was normal, that I would, I could be, I could be normal. You know, so this was a, this was a battle. This was a battle and the battle didn't end, you know, for a very, very long time. It's only been in the last, I would say the last few years where I had been at a place where I could just accept myself for who I was. But see, the, the other part of this is, is that I tell people all the time and, you know, this is an old adage in the church where we say all the time, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey. Right. And I mean that yes. I wouldn't anything for my journey. I would mm-hmm. not have wanted, you know, I mm-hmm. would not have traded what I've learned about community. Mm-hmm. The example that my grandmother set for me in terms of being who she was to the people in her church, to the people in her community, which was all about, all about care, Hmm. Uh, all about taking care of people who did not have what she had I mean my life was spent with her going house to house checking on the sick and shut-in you know mm-hmm. what I mean yes. like yes. that's a oh. that that's in shut-in idea you know what I mean I, that's what I grew up with yes that that's yes. what you do you take yes. care of you you take plates to people who don't have food you and there it was no there were no drives you know what i'm saying there were no hunger drives yeah. it was just you know what i mean like yeah, you take have your groceries now. down the street it was none
0: of that yeah that's right yeah i understand yes yes
1: yes, yes. and you take yes. in tomatoes to people you you taking and some people are bringing them to her mm-hmm. because that's what we did in order to ensure our survival yes you know and it was not spoken it was just what we did. yes, and I would not I would not trade that for anything, for mm-hmm. anything, even though I had to battle it at the same time, but I would not trade it for anything. And then what God is, you know and and my understanding of what God is, you know, what I do know is that what I have been taught about God and what, what God is. I cannot accept. I will not accept. I don't believe that the Bible is the only Testament of God's existence. Amen. So yeah, it's multi-layered. It is complicated. What I'm at peace about, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because that's, you know, I, I, you know, bandied, you know, atheism and all that kind of stuff for a little while I did all of that. But what I'm at peace about is I know for me, the testament of of, of God, whatever God is, is love, and it is the survival of black life. And so when I come into a place of worship, no matter where I am, it is being, it is an act of celebrating, affirming black life. And I know that I need that. I know that I need to sit down on Sunday mornings and sing with other black folks. Mm -hmm. I need to do that. I need to do that because I think it's this whole idea of I don't feel no waist tired, like Mm. all of that. I need I need that Mm -hmm. because without it, I tried it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work for me. So I need that. Ooh, new are. In middle, there's a, a lot of white people in middle, you know what I mean? Yes. But it's, it, it's still rooted in what I understand about communal affirmation. Yeah. That I understand about, how, about Black survival.
0: Yeah. And Black love. Love, period, will continue in a moment. Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience, an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage. I listen to you and I, I feel if it isn't God is love, then it's the wrong thing. Like there's, there's lots of texts in the Bible. There's lots of ways to think about God. There's lots of testaments about God, as you say. I think the truth of the truth that put me in ministry, that keeps me in ministry, is God is love. And honestly, Antonio, I think I've said this to you before, but I outgrew, I outgrew this other God a long time ago. Like, I outgrew God that didn't speak many languages, I outgrew God who didn't who couldn't speak Islam and Judaism and Buddhism and nature. If God, God the God I keep working for, is multivocal, and can be experienced at the ocean, mm. and can be experienced in the sky, it can be experienced honestly in a great meal with friends laughing and telling good stories, that 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 sense that. The, you know, wherever two or more of us is gathered, I don't think it matters where. And I think we are singing good songs. And I think we might be singing good songs outside on the street, marching. Ain't nobody going to let me turn,
1: ain't nobody uh-huh. going to turn
0: me around. So, yeah. And the other stuff is, to me, gets in the way. And I'm not saying that it's not helpful. It is helpful to have ethical instruction. It is helpful to think about what is just and good and right is helpful. What's not helpful is I have set up rules and regulations that are designed to keep people out of God's love. That's not helpful to me. So, I don't I don't do that okay. anymore. Okay. I think if God if God is God, then God's intention would be for every child, no matter what color they are, no matter their circumstances. You know, you didn't pick being born in Mississippi, and I didn't pick being born to Mississippi parents. We didn't pick being chocolatey brown people. Mm. Uh, a girl in China doesn't pick that. So why, you know, what kind of people think a girl in China is going to go to hell because she wasn't born in a Christian family? That's just, that's crazy. I think that's a little crazy. So I love this conversation just about the need, the, the, the constructs that create... I would say the constructs that create self-love are the same constructs that create love of neighbor. That edict love neighbor, love self, right? Like if you can't love yourself, how are you gonna love your neighbor? And if the construct of religion makes you hate yourself, then it kind of actually disrupts the other part right. <laughs> how are you gonna how are you gonna love your neighbor if you're taught to hate yourself? That's a little bit um, wonky. Right. Yeah. So let me just ask this question, beautiful black queen of the world. <laughs> what what What's going on with people right now that are like fascist haters? Why is the world on fire with such bigotry and xenophobia and the idea that the idea that unless you look like me, you're not. I, I'm supposed to. I'm. What? If, what's your analysis of why it feels like people have circled up their wagons, and the only people that they want to turn some love on are the ones that think like them and look like them? Am I overstating that, or does that feel right?
1: Oh no 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 no! You're not. You're not overstating that. I mean, you know, I. Um, Mississippi is a teacher, you know, and it is a microcosm for, it is a microcosm for the world. I grew up in that with that, you know, still very much alive here. You know, one of my friends said that, you know, Mississippi is the petri dish from which, you know, Trumpism was, was, you know, born. You know, people didn't pay attention to it. We slept on it for a long time now we see the results of it yes, now we see right. what's happened mm-hmm. perhaps it has something to do with what you what you just what you just said it's like you know if you were, if you grow up with that kind of self-hate like how can you love someone and you know a lot of these folks are evangelicals they're right. evangelicals that's you what know that's right. and so much of you know uh so much of that is is rooted in is articulated through shame
0: right Mm.
1: you know this it it is all it is it is so much of that language and doctrine and orthodoxy is is rooted in and and articulated through shaming not just shame but shaming that's
0: right
1: you know um uh, that that ethical instruction that you you know um Mm -hmm alluded to it. it is it that's all it is that is all it is and i feel that it's an incomplete doctrine because they they don't talk about racism you know what i mean you go on it i've been in these churches they don't talk about racism they don't say that racism is a sin
0: no No, they don't don't
1: say that they say everything else is a sin adultery is a sin but they do not say that racism is a sin They don't teach that. They don't teach that at all. So what's the result? You know, so what's, what's the, I I believe that if, how can you, I, I believe this. If you, we, we want to tell young men and young women, don't be violent, but we don't teach them not to be violent. So what do we, but we teach them other things, right? Right. We teach them other, we teach them other things. We, We teach them math. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? We teach them, right. we we all kinds of stuff. We teach them, but we don't teach them about we don't teach them about, you know, social behavior that could end someone's life or put you in jail. We don't teach that. And I believe, you know, I and I, I'm talking about that's that's schools, but in terms mm-hmm. of like the church experience, that's that is as valid. That is right. as valid. If you want, if you want something from your congregation. You need to teach it. If you don't want them drinking, you tell people don't drink. That's what they do, right? That's right. But they don't tell them right. to not hate black people. <laughs> that's right. They don't that's
0: do right. that. That's right, no, that's right. It's, you and some yeah, yeah, I that's do. Basic. That's, yeah. that's basic.
1: Yeah. That that's morality to me. That's morality to me. That's what morality is to me. And hmm. they're they're not taught that. They're not taught that. They're not taught to think that. They are equal, you know, that Black people are equal to them. Yeah. They're not taught that women are equal. You know what I'm saying? It, that, that's not taught. Because right. so so from jump, it's not something that they've learned. They've right. learned that you shouldn't abort babies.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: But they that, don't, you
0: yeah. know what I'm saying? That That's morality to them. Don't abort babies, but you don't need to value Black lives. Hmm? I was talking to Robbie uh, Robbie Jones a little while ago. This guy who uh, runs a, a research company and he's a Baptist minister and white from Mississippi. Uh, you know, he shared our Mississippi heritage? Wow. And he was really talking about how how white people, white the white church, the white you know he he goes all the way to like the white church period, just does not value that kind of uh, ethical instruction that 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 puts down. Is privilege, right? That puts down as privilege. That that says that accepts. And to be honest, I think I sometimes I feel like I want to say, okay, white people who say you're Christian, the person you follow in the world is a is not white with blonde hair. That <laughs> means about you. This is a Jewish, by the way. Don't be anti-Semitic. Jewish, poor, baby born. You know, in a scandal to an unwed mother who was raised in Palestine, who was a refugee, who passed for Egyptian, I'm trying to say, since he could hide out in Egypt. So Brown, the, the Jews are Afro-Semitic people. Like, what, what would happen if, if they didn't think Jesus was white? Then would they teach each other to lay down racial prejudice? I just wonder about that. Right. And, you know, there's, there's going to be some really nice white people listening to this podcast because, you know, I always tell you I'm on the white people tour. I'm on the nice white people tour in my ministry to help convert <laughs> to convert nice white people to, to revolution and to liberation and to say, hey, hey, nice white people. I know you don't mean any harm, but let me just help you think about how you can't really hold racism and Jesus in the same hand. It's too crowded. <laughs> racism. If you have racism in your hands, you can't really put your hand on the plow of the gospel. It's just too crowded there. Right, right. You can't do both. You really can't. To, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is to think about what your neighbor needs. I'm going to say this too long. I'm going to try to make it quicker. But like the rabbis will say, when you love your neighbor, when the rabbis, first of all, the Jews will say, only one time in the Hebrew Bible does it say, love your neighbor. The rest of the time it says, love, your, love the stranger, right? Did you, they, got one, they got one love your neighbor and they got like 36 love, your, love, love the strangers. And, and they, you say, what do you mean? Just like the rich man asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? The rabbi question is, well, what does it mean to love the stranger? And they say, if you love the stranger and the stranger's your enemy, if your enemy's cow." comes in your backyard. You have to feed the cow and water the cow. You may not, you can't kill the cow. You can't eat the cow. You have to take care of your enemy's cow until the enemy comes home and then you give it back. Mm. 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 Right? That's a lot of love right there. Right. And that's Jesus' people, Anjanu. That's his people. Take care of your neighbor's cow. Take care of the enemy's cow. Tell me about, you travel a lot in your work, and that means you see the world through the eyes of, like you're a, you're visiting a lot of cultures. When you think about love, loving the world, is that too much to ask? Can we love, can we be global neighbors, Anjanu? Oh, I, I
1: definitely think so. I definitely think so. And I think, you know, I I love how I love how Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker as well, you know, they both were insistent on civil rights not being enough for them. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And that they were that they were more interested in and more driven by the idea of of human rights. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so their concern was less about our journey as black folks. In America and the rights that we are denied because we are Black and more about this idea of who we are as human beings in this world mm-hmm. and how do we walk, how do we walk, how do we love, how do we feed each other, particularly with Fanny. You know, she was very, very much about, you know, making sure people were fed, you know, how do we do that? Right. And it it didn't have really anything to do with the United States of America. It didn't have anything to do with our 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 citizenship in this country. It had to do with our human walk on this planet. So I live by that. And I just think that this idea of, you know, statehood and, you know, countryhood and, you know, it's a trick of the devil. You know what I mean? Like, it's just some stuff that. You know men made so they can be in control of something. Right. You know what I mean? Out of their insecurity. I just don't live by that. I mean it's so interesting, like when those folks, the you know, the terrorists who invaded the Capitol, when they when they invaded the Capitol, their Capitol building, they came up and they're shouting USA.
0: That's mm-hmm. right.
1: Yep. You know what I mean? That's right. What does that even mean to them? What does that even mean to them? Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. So will you and I see that Mm -hmm. in our lifetimes? I don't know. I, I, I don't know that but i think it's you know it's we have to start asking these you know bigger questions about who we are not as american citizens but who we are as human beings living in not just on this planet but in this in this galaxy because of the fact that, that there will be diseases that we as human beings don't have the capacity to heal that is what we're dealing with right now that's right i i believe that you know, we had this notion that aliens would look like little green men coming down <laughs> on spaceships, right? You know what I'm saying? Yes. But in fact, in mm-hmm. fact, what it is is, it is a virus mm. that is taking over our bodies,
0: yes. and
1: we don't have the the medicine or the equipment to to fight it.
0: Yep. Yeah. We have been invaded by COVID. So right? mm-hmm. yep. we have been invaded. Yes.
1: It is a it is an alien invasion. We just did not have the imagination. I'm sure somebody smart did, but we lack the imagination to think or to picture that this would be the form that the invasion would come in.
0: Yeah. That's right,
1: so what's terrifying what's what's what terrifies me more than the actual virus is how we are so ill equipped to deal with it that's what's so scary to me and I was diagnosed with covid oh. um a few weeks ago. How are you honey i'm I'm okay I'm still okay. dealing with stuff that i can't okay. i don't know what's what it is but but i'm I'm okay okay and when I was told. Ugh, all I got was take vitamins, take vitamins, take vitamins. And I was thankfully, you know, was, you know, had a friend, have a friend who has a sister, who's a great doctor. And she, her associate, you know, sort of helped me through it. And they were waiting to see if I would need something that would be uh, that if it got worse, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. it, but it never became a real respiratory issue. I had a couple days of, you know, it being odd and bad, not great. Yeah. But, you know, they want to prescribe things just in case it did go down that road. But, you know, it was just take vitamin D and take vitamin C. And if you lose your taste and smell, take zinc, you know. And I'm just sitting here going like, in, I had to go on quarantine, you know. Oh. This is during Christmas and the New Year's. Oh, no. So this was awful. I couldn't, oh, no. Family through a winter. Oh, it, was, it was terrible.
0: I'm sorry.
1: It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. But I was terrified more than anything on some days because I, because I was thinking these vitamins are not going to heal me. You know what I mean? Like, right. And it was like, take, 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 you know, and I'm just like, wait a minute. We're, I, this is all we can do this after a year of this this is all that, that you, that you can do. And it's like, well, if it gets worse, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on this and we'll put you on that. But I'm like, if it gets worse and it's arrogance, it's, it's our human arrogance and our human naivete, you know, you know, that naivete that, 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 that we are suffering from right now. And, and so this idea of citizenship is killing us literally. This, This idea of borders is literally killing us. That's right. Right. And we do stupid stuff like, you know, put 45 in office. Then we are at, a, you know, we put ourselves in a position where we can't communicate with other countries because they don't trust who we have in, in office to have a, a real conversation between these, you know, states and nations to how we deal with, it, deal with this as, you know, people, as human beings on this planet. Because as you this is an alien invasion. Right. So if we don't figure out that language, if we don't figure out that other practice of being being human on this planet, we don't know what's going to happen now. Right,
0: that's right. Right, that's right. That's right. No, that's right.
1: We are still surprised by what we're going through right now.
0: Mhm. Yeah.
1: So this this is what we have to do. We have to think of ourselves as as not just global citizens, but we have to think of ourselves as as citizens of a galaxy.
0: Ooh, that's right. C- that's citizens right. of a universe. Yep, that's right. You know, that's right. That's that so true. For
1: us, if we want to survive, it's a bigger demand than we are allowing. We have to switch gears. We have to.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well. I think that I love, John, my, my husband would be so happy to hear you say citizens of the, of the universe, the galaxy, which really puts in perspective uh, some of the things we were talking about earlier, Anjan, about just religion, period, and words, and creeds, and the stuff people believe, and like we're, it's so much bigger than just us. We are specks. We are stardust. We are stardust trying to make a way, <laughs> trying to make a way. I'm sorry you weren't well over the holidays, and I'm I'm so glad to hear your voice. Let me ask you uh, one more uh, question. honey. just tell me if I say to you, "Here's what I'm sure about love." What are you sure about love?
1: Well, I know it's healing. I know it heals. Mm-hmm. I know it heals the heart, and it can heal the body sometimes too. You know, it it is my evidence of God, and I. I know what the power of it as I've experienced through you know loving my loving my family and being loved by my family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the most important thing to me is the love I have for my family and the love I know that they have for me. It's my wealth, you know, Nikki Giovanni said so brilliantly, that's all I have as I look in things in my house you know, these pretty pillows that I done bought somewhere, <laughs> you know what I mean, like <laughs> somewhere I done forgot <laughs> I done forgot where I got them from, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like that is all I
0: have and it is enough, isn't it love is all we have and it can be enough, that's enough yeah Anjanu, that I get to talk to you and giggle with you and and hear your just profound, deeply rooted intellect and spirit is such a huge gift this day. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> it, and I, I like
1: appreciate
0: it. you bringing
1: us, you know, come and meeting together that day in <laughs> DC. Yeah. That was crazy because I went to DC. I didn't know there was no. I didn't know that there was going to be any any march or anything like that. I was just coming down there. I was just like, I just want that woman to maybe look outside of her car and see my black face. Like, hey girl, I'm here for you. You know, like, that's all I wanted. I remember you said that. You were like, I just had to come. <laughs> I know. I, know. I, didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing was gonna happen. I didn't know nothing was gonna happen. I was like, I'm gonna be there. I don't care, I'm gonna be there. And then a couple saw a couple other people or whatever, and then I go down the thing, and then with Jackie and, and, and like the legions of women come, <laughs> come showing, come showing, oh, it was,
0: it, was, it was crazy. It was so otherworldly. It was so otherworldly. And I was so glad to see you. And then we got to march together, and that was just, uh, that's what love looks like too. You on saying, I'm just gonna go show up and let her see my black face <laughs> through the car window. But to turn a corner, and find a legion of love warriors. That's what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. All right, love. Thank you so much for talking to me. Be well, okay? Get well. Be well. Stay Appreciate well. it. All right, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Love period is Corey Pig, Paul Swanson, Izzy Spitz, Sarah Palmer, Jenna Kuiper, Nicholas Kramer, and I'm Callista Brewster. This podcast is produced by the Center
1: for Action and Contemplation, which is located in the heart of New Mexico, thanks to
0: the generosity of our supporters. We also have other podcasts you might like. You can find those wherever you like to listen by searching for Center for Action and Contemplation, or visit us at CAC.org to
1: find out more about our other programs. From the high desert of New Mexico, We wish you peace and every good.